Well, good afternoon. Good afternoon. We greet you with the joy of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we're certainly delighted to be able to start back up Bible study, better known as TNT, as far as uh, the fall season is concerned. And we thank God for those of you all who are joining us. Uh, we don't take for granted your uh, presence as far as our time together is concerned. So thank you all so very much. We've been off uh, the summer and we want to get back going as far as our fall season is concerned. So we're looking forward to uh, building back up our numbers so that we can have a good time of study as far as uh, our learning is concerned. Just want to, before we get started, to... Um, Welcome. I see you, Sister uh, Waddles. Uh, see you, Sister Alexander. Uh, thank you all for joining us, as well as others who are coming online. Um, and we hope and pray that uh, this time of sharing will be a blessing for all that, that are here. So let's do this. Let's go ahead and let's get started. Uh, Sister Lockwood, I see you. God bless you. Um, we're going to go ahead and get started as far as word of prayer is concerned. God, we come to you right now. And we just want to thank you for this uh, wonderful opportunity to study your word, to learn more of you, to become all that you would have for us to do and to be. Lord, we pray right now that by the power and presence of your Holy Spirit, that you, the master teacher, will show up, teach us your precepts, let your word be a lamp unto our feet, and ultimately a light unto our pathway, God, if you would show yourself strong and mighty even in this moment, and we'll bless your name uh, for that. So, Lord, as we posture ourselves right now, do only what you can do, and that is be God, and we commit ourselves to your sovereign and divine will. It is in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, we pray, and in his name we claim it done. Amen. <clears throat> I believe the last time we stopped, we were dealing with um, the aspect of, of evil. Um, and I kind of want to pick back up on that um, as far as uh, our time together is concerned. I believe that uh, the last time we were together, uh, we were dealing with the problem of evil, dealing with uh, why is there sin, why is there evil? Why is there wickedness? Why does it seem like uh, good folks catch it while bad folks can do whatever they want to do? And so over the next several weeks, we're going to be dealing with this issue of evil and wickedness and suffering. And we want to unpack that in a very intentional way. So for today, for today, what I want to do is I want to, if I could, call your attention for the time that is mine to Romans chapter nine. Romans chapter 9, we want to look at verses 22 and 23. Romans chapter 9, verse 22 and verse 23. Romans chapter 9, verse 22 and verse 23. And we're going to uh, be intentional as far as uh, unpacking this particular verse. Romans chapter 9, verse 22 and 23 reads like this from the New King James Version. And I'm going to have you to circle some words, underline some phrases, highlight some stuff. But we're going to focus on these two verses and we want to be intentional as far as the unpacking is concerned. OK. All right. It reads, what if God, circle God, wanting to show his wrath? I want you to highlight his wrath. 
highlight his wrath. And I want you to double underline the word and to make his power known. I want you to highlight the words, make his power known. Endure it with much long suffering, circle the word long suffering, the vessels of wrath, highlight the vessels of wrath, prepared for destruction. I want you to underline the word destruction. <clears throat> that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy. I want you to highlight the phrase, the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy, which he had prepared beforehand for glory. And I want you to highlight the phrase he had prepared beforehand for glory. <clears throat> All right. Now this is gonna be um, uh, the crux of the matter as far as our dealing with um, the problem of evil, the issue of evil. Um, what we see here in Paul's writing to the church at Rome is that Paul is really using the metaphor of God being a potter. And a potter has the right to design for the purposes, whatever he wants to. And whatever the vessel is, the potter has a right to use that vessel for whatever he designed. So this is really... Paul applying the illustration of God's sovereign purpose for different people. And notice this clause, what if, that's, that's key. And I wanted you to circle that. What if God left unstated the obvious conclusion? Does God have the right to choose one, uh, one vessel for good and one vessel for evil? Okay. Now this is where we want to really start drilling down and we want to, um, unpack um, because there are those who think that there are some people who are just going to go to hell because they're destined to go to hell and that there are other people who are going to go to heaven because they're destined to go to heaven. There's nothing you can do about that. But I want to really be intentional as far as unpacking this because it's greater than that. All right. Now, Let's talk about this. The objects of God's wrath are those who are unsaved. All right. The objects of God's wrath are those who are unsaved and will suffer eternal judgment. Now watch this. It says, endure it with much long suffering in the vessels of wrath. The reason that the author says endure it with much long suffering in the vessels of wrath is because God is trying to give those vessels of wrath the opportunity to choose him. All right. So those who oppose God, those who refuse God have a place already prepared for them. So when we talk about predestination, the aspect of predestination basically means that there are already predetermined results or outcomes or consequences based upon decisions, decisions that you and I make. All right. So some are prepared for God's eternal judgment, not because he delights in it, but because they choose to sin and stay in their sins. All right. So 
let me even dig deeper because this is where we're getting ready to really have some fun. And, and I believe you're going to be able to take some, some good notes on this. All right. So these words, verses 22 and 23, grow out of the context of Paul writing to the church at Rome about how God rejected Israel, how God has engrafted or brought in the Gentiles into the church and how these events are all in line with the plans and purposes of God. Okay. In other words, this is not some afterthought, but this is really part of the grand scheme of God's eternal plans. Okay. All right. Now, Here's what I want you to understand when we talk about this aspect of election, because the aspect of election, and that's a major doctrinal understanding that, that we have to kind of wrap our brains around, because, and let me see if I can do it like this. The Calvinists believe that some people are saved, some are unsaved. That's the way it is. It cannot change. All right. Uh, let me say it again. Um, there are those who believe that some of us are predestined for heaven. Others of us are predestined for hell. And regardless of what we do, there's nothing we can do to change that. Why? Because it's already set. That, my brothers and sisters, is not what election is all about. That, my brothers and sisters, is not what predestination is all about. That, my brothers and sisters, is not what predetermination is all about. All right. Now, let me say that those, when it comes to the aspect of election, the aspect of election has to be qualified theologically upon the ability to select God. In other words, you and I become part of the elect when we select to be in relationship with God. And then there are those who hear about the gospel, witness the works of the gospel, see the gospel and thumb their nose at God. And those are the ones who are, watch this, predetermined to miss the aspect of eternal life. All right. Now, here's what I want to drill home to you all, because what Paul is trying to help us understand is that all of us. All of us are dependent, created beings. And what this does, it places God in the rightful place as creator and sustainer of all, which basically means, beloved, that you and I really don't have the right to do whatever we feel like we want to do. All right. So let's deal with this so-called problem of evil. And, and, and let's unravel this. Because what Paul is doing just in this, these two verses alone is that Paul is really exposing us to the heart of God as far as God would allow. And um, uh, we're looking at two different types of vessels, vessels of wrath, vessels of mercy, or pots of wrath, pots of mercy, or jars of wrath, jars of mercy. All right. So 
dealing with the aspect of evil, it helps us to understand how you and I live as far as life is concerned, this paradox between good and evil. And so when sin entered the world, it came into the world so that God might make known the enormous wealth of glory by pouring out God's mercy on those vessels designed beforehand for eternal life. All right. Now, let me unpack what Paul is trying to help us to understand. Paul says plainly that some were ordained, watch this, some were ordained to suffer eternal destruction. His intention is to be sure not to upgrade man too highly. He will not have him to think that God's glory is going to be awarded to people because of their character or their good works. In other words, you and I do not have salvation predicated upon our works are predicated upon our character, it is the grace of God. Because all of us, watch this, all of us, watch this, all of us deserve destruction. By unbelieving mercy, those of us who want to be rescued are rescued. Wrath is deserved. Glory is not. Wrath is deserved. Grace is not. Wrath is deserved. Mercy is not. Okay. Now, let me, if I could, really push this a little bit deeper. This is what grace is all about. Grace is the fact that God gives us what we don't deserve. In order to preserve at all costs the truth that salvation is the result of grace and is in no way dependent upon our works, Paul avoids the word that might possibly be misunderstood to teach the thing. In other words, Paul is trying to help us understand you don't get salvation based upon how much money you give, how often you come to church, how much broke you, how much, how many times you read your Bible, how much good you do, uh, 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 how mission oriented you are. Salvation is not predicated upon your works. Salvation is predicated or based upon God's grace toward us. Okay. All right. Now, here's where the crux of the matter hits the road when it comes to this idea of the problem of evil. Now watch this. Going back to verse 22. What if God wanted to show his wrath and to make his power known, endure much long suffering, the vessels of wrath prepared for destruction, that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy, which he had prepared beforehand for glory. And let me just quote verse 34. Even us whom he called not only of the Jews, but also of the Gentiles. Here's what Paul is really saying. This is going to mess us up. That God permits evil and its consequences upon those whom it was designed for 
so that God can display his power of showing mercy to those vessels that deserve it. Let me say that again. That God permits evil and the consequences of evil upon those whom were fitted for it so that the divine power of God might be on full display. So here's where, here's where I'm getting ready to drill down and, and, and here's where I'm getting ready to really um, hopefully and prayerfully engender um, some, some thinking and some conversation. By allowing evil's existence that both objects can be attain, God's wrath and God's power directly release against evil men and women and angels display a nature, the side of God's nature that can only be known in no other way. In other words, only evil, only wickedness, only unrighteousness in all its ugly, terrible, diabolical form could bring forth the side of God's nature that will combat evil. All right? So when you think about the craziness of the world because of sin and because of wickedness and because of the devil and because of evil, when you think about the raping of women, the killing of children, war, sickness, suffering, um, uh, drought, famine, all of that stuff that happens in our world, it happens so that ultimately God can display mercy to those that are in position to receive mercy because they chose God and God chose them. So let me let, let me let me really um, uh, push this envelope because notice this is what God does. God in this major vast universe. You, uh, you you all have seen you all have seen this this new telescope that's better than the old Hubble telescope. This new telescope that is um, transversing right now is still in our solar system, but it's picking up images of galaxies and planets and stars that are billions of light years away from us. So what we're seeing now are images, check this out, of billions of years before in the past, which helps us to understand how expansive and how vast and how big the universe is. And notice what God does. God in God's grand scheme of things in this great universe as a theater, to demonstrate God's power as well as his wrath against evil, 
as well as his grace and glory should not surprise us. God chose a little speck called the planet Earth to become his theater, to show his wrath and his power, as well as his grace and his glory. And when he chose Israel, he made it known that he chose Israel, not because they were good, not because they were great, but because God wanted to reflect God's self in all that God did. So too, it seems that God would choose an inconspicuous planet that we call Earth to demonstrate God's power and glory. In other words, whatever God is doing on the planet Earth is really undeserved grace. Undeserved grace. Now, I don't know about you, but think about it. That, that should humble us. That should humble us. Indeed, if God had placed human beings on this earth who in time became sinners whom God desired only to display one side of God's nature, his wrath, and had determined not to save any of us, God would have been well within God's right to do so. Because I'm getting ready to drop a major bomb on you. Humanity deserves nothing from God. <gasps> Ooh, what? No. Humanity deserves nothing from God. Wait, 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 wait. No. Humanity deserves nothing from God. And you want to know why I'm teaching this? Can I tell you why I'm teaching this? Can I help you to understand and really appreciate why I'm teaching this? Because in our culture and in our churches, everything now has become so me-centered or so human-centered that God is no longer even the focus. God, God should always be the focus of worship. God should be the focus of our songs. God should be the focus of our praise. But many of our churches, the focus is always on human beings. So if God didn't want to do anything for it, if God could have the moment Adam and Eve committed sin in the garden, wiped them out and none of us would be here. But he did not. In God's gracious act, God demonstrated to all of creation God's nature, including not only a holy wrath against evil, but a compassionate mercy as well. The effect of this is that some undeserved sinner will get grace. All right. Let, let, me, let me make this plain for us. That uh, uh, if you're saved, it's by grace. And if you're saved and it's by grace, you enter glory. But if you're saved and it's by grace, you enter glory. Guess what? You don't deserve it. Ooh. Wait, hold it. I don't know. None of us deserve it. None of us deserve it. None, none of us deserve it. So, 
Here's what I'm getting ready to do. I'm getting ready to blow up this question of evil. Because it is not the problem of evil. Because you want to know what the problem of evil is? That's, that's us. In other words, if God really dealt with the problem of evil the way that God so could have dealt with the problem of evil, none of us would be here. And so what you and I got to understand is that as Paul works through this thing of dealing with evil and suffering and wickedness, the existence of evil and the ways in which God has manifested God's nature and responded to it, God has been getting glory out of it. Because guess what? God could have wiped us out a long time ago. And the greatest aspect of God getting glory, even out of the aspect of evil, is when God allowed for Jesus Christ to die on the cross and God raised him from the dead and the resurrection, the death, resurrection, uh, the death, the crucifixion, burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ demonstrates both the wrath of God and the grace of God. And now it is the task of those of us who have been saved to make known how good God is and how available salvation is for those that say yes. Because God ain't going to force God's self on us. God gives us the choice. God gives us the ability. God gives us the right to say yes. That's what God did in the Garden of Eden. God gave Adam and Eve the commandment. Said, listen, you can eat of any tree in the garden that you want to, but do not eat of the tree of the garden of good and evil. For the moment you do that, you're going to die. Straight up command. Nothing ambiguous about it. Nothing confusing about it. If you eat of this tree in the middle of the garden, guess what's going to happen? You're going to die. All right. And unfortunately, Adam and Eve listened to a snake. disobeyed God, death started this process. And according to the scripture, when death started this process, ooh, thank God for this revelation. Adam and Eve, the moment that they disobeyed God, thank you for this revelation, God, should have died on the spot. But God, even in the moment that Adam and Eve committed sin against God, God demonstrated mercy toward them when God had the divine right to take them out. Because death was the immediate consequence of the disobedience that they engaged in as far as the garden is concerned. But God gave, gave them continued life even though now death became part of the process. So even in the garden, when God's wrath is poured out on Adam and Eve, because what happens is God kicks them out the garden. God, God, tells, God tells them, watch this, 
Um, Adam, you got to work by the sweat of your brow. Your work will no longer be joyful and easy because Adam was already working in the garden. He was already a tender of the garden, but now it's going to be tedious work. And the Bible also told Eve, uh, Eve, you're going to have pain in your childbearing days and your desire shall be for your husband. That, that, that your your desire is going to be for your husband and, and 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 he shall be over you so watch this so part of the wrath of God is the introduction of hierarchical relationships power dynamics in a relationship and folks trying to be over one another that the wrath of God is demonstrated in the disruption and the disharmony of human relationships. So, so watch this. So watch this. Racism is part of God's wrath. Sexism is part of God's wrath. Classism is part of God's wrath. Uh, distortion as far as sexuality is part of God's wrath by virtue of the fact that it is part of the evil that we see being played out in relationship and God could have wiped us out a long time ago, but God injects grace and mercy, giving us what we don't deserve another day, more time to get this thing right. God withholds from us the judgment that we do deserve. And that judgment is, oh, I'm getting ready to shout right now, instant death. You do realize that every time you and I sin, God has the right to take us out just like that. So as, as, as we move forward, understand that God wanted to show God's wrath and make his power known. Watch this. Endure it with long suffering. You do know that word long suffering means patience. The vessels of wrath prepared for destruction so that they can get their stuff right. So that he may make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy, those who say yes to God that God has already prepared before we ever showed up. So that is my lesson for today. I know this is very short, <laughs> but this is all I got to say right now for, 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 for this moment uh, as far as teaching is concerned. Um, because um, I, I wanted to help you to understand that uh, because of sin and because of evil and because of wickedness, uh, none of us should be here, but God continues to give us grace and mercy. And the problem of evil ultimately is not with God. It is with us, but God has major patience with us to try to give us the time to get our stuff right. So next week when we come together, next week when we come together, we're going to focus on Ephesians chapter three, verses eight through 10. And uh, we're going to continue this conversation as far as the problem uh, of evil and unpack how God really deals with this issue of evil.
So before I go, uh, let me check the chat, see if there's anyone that has any questions, uh, what has been shared uh, as far as uh, our time together is concerned. Any questions? Any questions? All right. If not, uh, next week, we're going to focus on Ephesians chapter 3, verse 8 through 11. We're going to try to unpack that in a very meaningful way and uh, continue to talk about this so-called problem of evil um, so that uh, we can have a better understanding of how God tolerates us. <laughs> and that's why we should worship and give God praise. Uh, so as we prepare to go today, let me just remind you that you do have the wonderful ability to uh, be a blessing to us, even in Bible study. And if you feel led to give, you can do that. Um, uh, you can give in several ways. You can bring your check, cash, uh, money order to the church uh, at uh, 1401 Allen Street, Charlotte, uh, or call the church office at 704 334-5309 to make sure someone is here to receive your offering. Uh, or you could give through uh, our website or you could give through the app called Gimlify. So either one of those ways that you want to be a blessing as far as this moment is concerned, you can do that. You can do that. And we greatly, greatly appreciate it. Um, so next week, we're going to focus on Ephesians chapter 3, uh, verses 8 through 11. Um, and um, even though it seemed like it was only a half an hour, in which it was uh, relatively quick by my standards, uh, I'm done for the day. So God bless you all and uh, heaven smile upon you and you all take care of yourselves. <laughs>